This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Dragons, 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 dragons. Oh, no. Dungeons, dungeons, dungeons. Well, dragons, 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 dragons. Welcome to the Saber Die Podcast. My name is Crispy, and this is Carl. Hi, I'm Carl. That is me. And uh, this is a show, if you have never listened to us before, about classics, dun- classic Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, dungeons and Dragons from the 80s into the 90s. And yeah, I mean, both- yeah. this is bad. This is not factual. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons that ran from 1974 to 1994-ish. Was it 94? I could have sworn my rule cyclopedia was copyrighted in 96. Oh. It might be 94. It's been a while. No, rule cyclopedia came out in the 91. There may have been additional printings, but I'm talking about um, the last basic product, box set product, I believe was ninety four, which was the redo of the black box. The oh, the uh, the all new easy to master. Well, well, that that's the black box is the all new easy to master. But then they redid it in a in a kind of a more traditional uh, portrait box. Okay. For more information on the all new easy to master Dungeons and Dragons box set, please see episode one forty three. One forty-three, I believe. Uh, maybe who knows? Uh, <laughs> or what you been up to lately? I I know some uh, some big gaming stuff has happened for you. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we uh, ran Arkansas RPG Con. My wife and I um, host a local uh, small gaming convention. We had about one hundred and twenty people come out uh, and played role playing games all day long. That's not bad. No, that's that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, year two, right? Year two. Nice. And uh, I, I, I recently uh, played a little bit of Isle of Dread with my eight-year-old and five-year-old, which was fun. <laughs> I made it a point to give the Rakasta uh, traditional house cat names. So, like fluffy mittens. Right. So, like, I, I played them real serious, so they would be like, I am a Rakasta, a warrior. My name is Boots, because the fur on my feet is a different color than the fur on the rest of my body. <laughs> uh, did they Did they enjoy that? Cause it, my my daughter, it. as soon as I got through that little spill, my daughter goes, That makes no sense and perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they're both fairly precocious kids. Yeah. Uh, I have not been doing anything. The only thing I've really done, classic D&D wise is um i printed out at my uh office's print shop actually i didn't print it at the print shop i printed it out at home and then assembled it in the print shop a copy of the dungeons and dragons uh original dungeons and dragons single volume edition by gray so now i have a little uh it's a little less than a5 it's like an a4 size copy 
of the ODND rules uh, kind of edited Neat. and cleaned up. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've talked about it before. I run that convention game, Discos and Dragons, where I run Holmes Basic using 70s materials. And I have an urge, an insane urge, to run OD&D using only materials from 1974 or earlier. Uh, so, coming soon to a con near you, possibly. See, I've had a similar thing where I've been wanting to play OD&D using Chainmail as the combat system. It's been this, like, wild hair I've had for... It's going on, like, two years now. I've been reading through Chainmail. I think there is a reason why the alternate combat system in original D&D, that they were like, if you don't have Chainmail, roll a d20. Here you go. I think there's a reason why that's stuck, because ramming Chainmail onto this is weird. It I don't think it works. I've been wanting to hear from people who run OD&D with Chainmail... If you're listening out there, please, like, talk to me. Email us at uh, questions at saverdie.info. I, I really want to know how this goes because I'm super interested in it. Um, there's a community member on OSR Gaming, Dizzy Saxophone. He's one of our uh, the admins for our Discord as well. He also wants to do this. And uh, eventually we're going to, I think. Eventually we're going to be like, hey. Let's let's just do a Saturday night game one shot doing this because I think it would be a lot of fun. It would be really interesting to see how they really did play it back in '74. But God, Chainmail is it's it's its own beast. My guess is that it had less to do with whether D6s were hard to integrate or easier to integrate the Chainmail combat system, and just that twenty-sided dice were cool. And people wanted to roll 20-sided dice. I, you know, as far as which one uh, worked better, I, I think that's secondary to the fact that people wanted cool new dice. Yeah, I do definitely think that there is something to be said for roll a d20 to see if you hit, then roll a 6-sided die for damage, which I already do in my basic expert games anyways, versus... Mm-hmm. Roll 2d6, and if you are wearing this kind of armor using this kind of weapon, you count as heavy foot. And if you hit this amount, you score a kill. I I believe that the chainmail rules are really just there as a mass combat rule set versus what they are as individual combat. I believe Gygax even says, like, just use the combat system in the box set and then if you need mass battles or if you're fighting fantastical creatures then you would use the chain mail hmm. that's what i've been doing uh the booklet turned out great i just used my printer's booklet settings and staple bound it kind of like um those uh those little mini booklets you gave me for my birthday <laughs> oh yeah kind of like that but it's a little more readable yeah, and you know I'm gonna have to do that with OD and D. The only thing I'm not gonna be able to duplicate, I have a couple copies of Holmes, so I have those, but I am not gonna be able to track down a 1974 copy of D and D. So that will have to be printed for my uh, my con game I'm envisioning. Yeah, I, I mean, as much as I want to spend upwards <laughs> to three thousand, four thousand dollars on three books, uh, I'm not gonna be able to do that. Yeah, and I've thought about I thought about just reprinting the original material, but I've tried to read through D&D. It's it's not great for someone who is like me who's kind of grew up in, you know, modern roleplay games like editing standards. So going back to OD&D, I just I I can't do it. I have to the the single edition volume is great. 
it's organized in a coherent, logical way that makes sense if you've ever read an RPG book published after 1989. Speaking of reassembling and re-editing and clarifying rules, it's a nice segue into our topic <laughs> for this show, which is going to be a product note. I'm, I'm really We're always so pleased when our segues make sense because we do zero prep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about BX Essentials by Necrotic Gnome Productions. Yay! Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. If AD&D is number one, have we got a podcast for you. On the Roll for Initiative podcast, DMs Vince, Nick, and Matt. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and DM Matt. Hello, everyone. Check out all things related to the game that Gary built. This is basically the module trying to get you to fight things when you shouldn't. Yeah, it's they basically taunt you. They're being playful. Yeah. They're being playful. Yeah. They feature old and new modules, supplements, musings on rules, advice on DMing a game, and occasionally feature new writers and classic creators of all things 1E. And think of it this yeah. way. Number appearing, 2 to 12. 12 demigods hanging out together? Yes, but the green man has nothing underneath him as a classification. Zero. No. Nothing. No. Just his god of yeah. growth and abundance. We don't need to put down any other classification at all. We'll just give it to the mud man. That's the Roll for Initiative podcast. You can find it on iTunes or at RFIpodcast.com. So you like AD&D 2nd Edition but no podcast to listen to? Guess what? We got the cure right here. I got a fever. And the only prescription... Is the Thaco's Hammer Podcast. You want me to put the hammer down? Join DM's Glenn, Brian, Corey, and full-on gamer as they discuss, debate, and review the world of second edition AD. Yes. Go here. Give me a gin. Yeah, gin. that's that's DM Corey ordering drinks. Sorry. Sorry. Girlfriend's getting gin. Rules, modules, supplements, clones. Everything 2E is fair game. Someone lied to you, and there's an opposed role, and oh, they won, so you believe the lie. I know, but I don't, because I, the player, know that they lied to me. But mm -hmm. you, the character, have to act like you take the lie. So listen into a podcast where number two is number one. The Thaco's Hammer Podcast, the best damn second edition ADD podcast ever. You'll find it on iTunes or at thacoshammer.info. All right, BX Essentials. Carl, I have uh, opinions about these books, and I know before the show you had said that you had opinions about these books. That's why we're doing an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> it would really be lame if we were both like, we feel nothing. <laughs> I neither like nor dislike this version of DP. I can't read. Um, <laughs> that was a what dark... is Luke? All right. Well, we've gotten off to a weird start. Yeah, it's like a, I was, I was, I've never read Fahrenheit 451. I wanted to make a Fahrenheit 451 joke, but I'm only a, like, I'm only. You don't want to be a Fahrenheit 451 poser. 
Yeah. I don't want to. I, 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 I want to give it a fair and height 451 <laughs> shake. Jeez. No, no. Didn't, didn't even kind of work. No, absolutely <laughs> did not. Anyways, uh, we talked about doing the existentials for a long time, actually. Um, when I had first heard about them back when it was just the first two booklets. And we had we talked about it, and uh, I was like, I don't know, is this a retro clone? Is it just like a restatement? So I was a little confused about this. Everything that I was reading on it, I I couldn't really tell if it was just another retro clone. And at that point, I was like, Yeah, Labyrinth Lord already exists. Like, what's the point? Like, it's generally considered the BX retro clone. I don't I don't really understand why we have. Very There's... different reactions to hearing there is another retro clone because I definitely want to read it when a new retro clone comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I think like well, we were talking about BFRPG the other day, and I was like, eh, you know, like it's fine. I don't really care nor not care for it. And you're like, I love BFRPG. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. uh, yes, I, think I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I I was not sure what this was, and then I um, I joined the BX D and D Facebook group. And they, you know, the the creator of this game is uh, as a member there. Full disclosure: this is not. We were not given review copies of this. I I paid for this out of my own pocket because uh, someone had had a discussion about it, and they were on sale. So I ended up getting the premium version, the premium print editions with PDFs. Was reading through it, and uh, yeah, I I love these. It's it's not a retro clone. It is simply a reorganization and reclarification of the bx rules and it's sort of split up over a few volumes which is something i don't like as much i'll I'll be honest uh i kind of wish it was one volume personally but that's just me i've used it at my gaming table for the last like three or four months and it's been super invaluable actually um for looking up stuff on the fly yeah, I, I agree, and I, I know that the intention is to create a single-volume product once he has all of these made. Okay. Um, but I agree. I, I don't really see the purpose of taking two fairly succinct books and changing it into five or six uh, succinct books. Uh, because it's, it feels like there's a lot more to shuffle around. Now, that being said, the original intention, well, maybe not the whole of the original intention, but the core rules on their own exist so you can have a product which is just the core rules of essentially basic D&D, and then you can plug in whatever type of setting you want on top of that. So you could create as a person who is a member of the OSR, a BX Essentials product, it has a product license, set in whatever fantasy world or non-fantasy world you want, still pulling from that core basic D&D rule set. I thought I was going to dislike these. Um, Now, as stated previously, I love retro clones. I run out and look at any new retro clone I can, I flip through them, I get ideas... But I typically play BX. When I run a game, I'm typically putting Basic Expert on the table, and that's what I'm running with. Uh, So I kind of expected, because this was such a close uh, clone, to not like it as much because what I want from a clone is kind of new ideas and new approaches. That being said, I was really impressed 
with this product in that it's you know, I think of I think of Basic Expert as a pretty straightforward, easy to understand product, but the steps and concepts that they push in these booklets of of just the organization of where the information is is so helpful and so much easier to use than the even the traditional even the current layout of rule books. I mean, not not necessarily just oh, like they did it. 30 years ago it's not about that it's about the way a game is played at the table and the information you need right then uh even uh as simple as detailing out the monster saving throws in the monster section uh having those numbers in front of you as soon as you're looking at the monster um uh, the way the class information is broken down and special abilities bullet pointed yeah i love the way that character classes are presented in this book it's a full page spread for every single class. It has the to hit matrix for AC zero in a column, just mm-hmm. sort of like a base attack bonus progression. Right. And then it's got all the saving throws right there. So you don't have to flip to another page in like a different section of the book to get that. I That's one of the things I love. And I think the spells, the way they're detailed, they're easier to understand, they're easier to follow. I think you will learn about the basic expert rules, even as somebody who runs it fairly often, uh, just by reading these and seeing them stated in a different way. It's the same I rules. Actually, I have an example of that, actually, that I was going to bring up. So for, like, I've been in the OSR for 10 years now, you know, I, well... Longer than that, but active in the OSR since about 2008. Yeah, hey, same. Um, yeah. I never knew that fighters could build a stronghold before name level. I'd always thought name level was when they got to build their castle. No, it's any time if they have enough money. That is something I learned from the way that the rules are broken out in BX Essentials. That is something I learned just now when you said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, halflings huh. and fighters can build their strongholds at any point, provided they have enough money. Well, that's funny because when we did the episode on strongholds and about establishing kingdom, I remember reading that about halflings and mentioning it because I thought it was kind of so blasé towards halflings. I didn't realize uh, the fighter class had the same situation. Mm-hmm. Now, dwarves, however, do have to reach an See, I like that. That, to yeah. me, makes perfect sense. Because, you know what? These dwarf lords, they're not gonna... Oh, you're young and rich? That doesn't matter. Get get some gray in your beard. Get it down to your feet. Then maybe you can build a castle. Yeah. And then, uh, I guess... <laughs> one of the saving graces of this book... I will say, having the cleric and magic user spells in their own book... This is the that's the book that gets used the most often. Yes, and that's what I was gonna say. If I I have the PDF versions, if I uh, purchase any of these in a um, what's the word for when a book is a book, <laughs> a physical copy. <laughs> yeah, if I purchase one of these as a physical copy, it would be the cleric and magic user spells book, and I would probably purchase more than one. I would buy probably. I would probably want maybe three or four of those floating around the table. And I don't know that I would want any of the other ones because I think what I would probably do is I would print the class spreads 
so when people are messing with their kind of leveling up or creating their characters, they have that class spread in front of them. I don't know if I would need the whole book for that because I would rather just have I the individual pages. That. That's hand. a really that's a great idea. That's such a good idea, actually. Like I yeah. might. I don't just know why I haven't thought that about out that. on cardstock and have it at the table. Yeah. Oh, you know what I could do? I could print I this out. I have a laminator now. I could just laminate it and Dude. just have it. For one for each class. That's real fancy. I, my my fiance is a teacher, so whenever I see something that's laminated, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I have a laminated Labyrinth Lord character sheet for BX that I'm just gonna reuse for the rest of my life. It's so nice. It's yeah, like just putting that lamination on it is it just raises the production quality a little bit. It's really absolutely. Weird. I know. I I am in complete earnest. Laminated rule sets, one page documents, whatever. I don't care. It's it's shiny. It's plasticky. That's high grade material. I I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, there. So and and one thing I really like about this is it is a great reference material. It's it's literally just the BX rules. They haven't really added anything here or there. There's an optional rule that they give you. Like um, it kind of breaks out encumbrance into a better system. I think. It, it clarifies how encumbrance works in the BX rules, where there's really two encumbrance systems. There's one by coin weight or one right. by, um, by uh, the armor type. Right. Which I use the armor type in my game. I also use the armor type one, actually. But um, just because less math. But yeah, I think a lot of this, you'll read it and go, oh, that's any optional rule. And then realize, no, that was in the book the whole time. You just kept skipping over it to get to the next section or whatever they're just very simply laid out the layout is good but the things for the uh the order of organization i do think is a little weird oh like adventuring rules comes before combat which then you know you get other combat things then your combat charts then magic items but stuff like forging and hunting and healing and hirelings and light vision and visibility is done before like air travel and chases because it's just organized alphabetically that's something i don't necessarily agree with i think it should have been logically ordered by like all right well the stuff you really use more often typically in a DD game should come first you know so in, in at least in adventuring so things like mm -hmm. healing and hireling and and light and vision and movement i think should have come and saving throws should have come before things like air travel and uh, foraging and hunting and encumbrance. Right. Which, I mean, if we're ordering it on how often it's used, encumbrance should be a footnote on the back page. Yeah. I don't agree with the way it's organized. It's very well organized because it is done alphabetically. So I, I there is a logical reason. Right. And I think that's kind of um, in, in its defense. There's only one universal logical way to organize a bunch of text, and that's alphabetically. You yeah. know, if he had decided, oh, yeah, I use chases all the time, and you don't ever use chases, and that was up at the front, it wouldn't, then the logical sense would be ruined. Whereas yeah. here, as it stands, anybody can understand why he put it in this way. Kind of jumping back into the spells book, yeah. I love the way that spells are laid out. Basically, he's got what the spell does and then the different modes it can be, like, uh, enacted. Uh, and they're bulleted. If it has two actual uses, like Cure Light Wounds, it actually listed in numbered bullets. It can heal or it can cure paralysis. Right. If you read through, you can actually find things 
like uh, you know, like blinding a creature with light or canceling a darkness spell. I did not know that the light spell until just now as I was browsing through this. Uh, I didn't know that <laughs> like you could use light as a, a basically a counter spell to darkness. It's so enlightening just to see the rules presented in a different way. And it's not necessarily that BX is a hard-to-understand mess. BX is one of the simplest versions of the game. But just getting that different frame of reference on these same rules brings stuff to light that may have, for whatever reason, skipped by you. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I don't have every spell memorized. I've been playing classic D&D for a while, but, like, I've just been playing D&D for a while. But, like, if you ask me what a spell does, I'd be like, I just have to look it up. And I think that one thing I want to say, again, about the spell book is it's separated by spell level, then alphabetically, which I think is just marvelous. Because you can go through and, yes, you know, look and go, all right, well, what are my third level spells and and find those and i believe it's indexed in the back yes it is so you know if you want to know what cloud kill does just right away you can look and you know it's on page uh, 24 one thing i want to talk about mad now where they changed the level at which fighters get extra attacks i don't agree with it there's a threat on dragon's foot there was a threat in the bx uh, Facebook group. Everyone was like, uh, uh, it should be 20th level. It was originally 15th level. My print versions have 15th level. That's what I'm sticking with. He gave it to the mob and I'm mad about it. So that's something to be aware of. It's a, it's the minorest nitpick ever. Now, wait. I, <laughs> what book is this in? It's in the classes and equipment. Page 22 under uh, high level play optional rule. Fighters require an additional 120,000 XP beyond uh, 14th level and gain two hit points per level gained. Chance to hit in combat improves by two every three levels. Fighters of 15th level may take two extra attacks per round. Uh, this increases the three attacks per round at 20th level, four attacks at 25th. Now, the reason I bring this up is Labyrinth Lord also has this in there. Mm -hmm. um, is the original BX rules, this is an interpretation that most people have had to do, say that uh, a fighter gets an extra attack every uh, five levels above 15th level. Which, that's what the original BX rules say, which is a weird construction. People have been like, well, it says you get an extra attack at 20th level. It's it's five levels above 15. But why mention level 15? It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. The original intention, and I think... Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, I'm looking at uh, uh, the expert rulebook, the 1981 yeah. expert rulebook right now, and it says, as they reach higher levels... Fighters will be able to strike more than once per round. A suggested increase is that for every five levels above 15th, the fighter gains another attack that round. Yes. No which... more than four attacks per round may be gained. So here's the extrapolation we can take. If it maxes out at 36, which was the intent stated in the expert rulebook and what they did with Beckme, then that math checks out. That would be four attacks, 20, 25, 30, 35. So yeah. I'm going to have to say that they might be right, that 15th level, you don't get the extra attack. You have to wait till 20th. No, 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 no. They're wrong. Here's why. They wouldn't have to say no more than four attacks per round may be gained if it's mathematically impossible to do so, if you end at 36. Yep, no, but... People on Dragon's Foot and people on the Facebook group, which the author is a part of, you know, he's he's part of the community. 
the they they he, he got caught up by the mob. Okay. Like, no, you run this way, and he changed it. And I'm real mad, Gavin. If you listen to this, because I'm gonna send it to you. We just proved it with math. Fifteenth should be an extra attack. Otherwise, it would have no reason in the Moldvay expert book to limit it to four attacks. Yeah. Also, why would you mention if you if they don't start getting attacks until twentieth level? Why not say at twentieth level and every five levels beyond that, fighter gets an extra attack. It caps out at four attacks. Like it doesn't make sense why I even mention fifteenth level if that's not the yeah. level. Yeah, and it stops at fourteen and says as they reach higher levels, which fifteenth is the higher level they reach. I mean, you know, all of this makes perfect sense to me. It does. Thank you, Carl. I'm glad you're on my side with this. I I, I wavered. I wavered. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, but then I looked at it and I was like, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah. So, just be aware if you get this, the current versions of BX Essentials has them getting um, the classes and equipment, has fighters getting uh, additional attacks starting at 20th level. Has what we'll call a mathematical error. It does. It has a (laughs) mathematical error that was induced by peer pressure. A crime against humanity, I would say. I'm I'm real mad about it. But... Uh, that's it's, it's the minorest nitpick, but I do think I don't know. I guess like if you're recreating faithfully the original rules and clarifying them, I I, I think maybe that is a bigger deal than what I'm making it out to be. Well, I mean, I I do think there's room for interpretation, all jokes aside, yeah. and I think that's just part of old school rules in general is they allow room for interpretation. Um, one thing that kind of strikes me the way that these are laid out as um bereft of details as they are as far as the flowery language that usually encapsulates older D books um it almost looks like there's less wiggle room not that there changes anything it's just a presentation thing but this is like a hard list of rules where um bx and certainly rule sits before it certainly had a a presence about them of change this change that take what you want leave what you don't i it's definitely missing that it's missing and i was just as you were talking about that i was like oh yeah this doesn't have like a a how to use this book section or a what is a role-playing game and i love that yeah i I don't i I don't mean that as a as a a dig at the quality of the work because i think that's the design intent is to be as light as possible and just be the information. And I don't think that is a negative side to an RPG, especially within the OSR where you're essentially selling to a group of people who have experience with these games and really just want the um, different interpretations of the mechanics. Um, I do want to start talking about... uh kind of the graphic design in this book it is black and white with mint green accents on tables and boxes and i have a player in my bx game who is in his 40s now and he has like that's been his highest praise is how easy it is to read the graphic design yeah that that mint green accent for the tables and things like that is just a killer choice it kind of it looks more like the um it looks like the rule cyclopedia that's yeah 
it definitely it has that same kind of color combination that the rule cyclopedia yeah. has and in a lot of ways uh you know this is actually kind of especially once he gets it down to a single volume the rule cyclopedia for bx you know the rule cyclopedia was essentially this same kind of idea just for a larger volume of material where yeah. this is sort of the condensed rule cyclopedia version of the 1981 box sets. Yeah, um, getting into the way monsters are laid out, it's, you know, it gives you a description of the monster. And then there is a green box with just all this, the line of statistics for it. And then any special abilities are bullet points. Um, it's just a killer. This is the highest praise I can give these books is in regards to their design and editing it's so just simple to reference it's so easy to read layouts yeah. fantastic i mean the um, amount of characters looking at the the monster section that was taken just to make sure that monsters stayed on the page they were on you know you yeah. click through and you and you look and you can tell that he went through lengths to make sure that a monster never crossed over to the next page to where you'd have to turn the page back and forth to reference this part of the monster than that part of the monster. Yeah, and he uh, he kind of did the same thing with the classes as well. They're just they're a full page spread, you know, you open right. up you open up the elf and on the left-hand side is, you know, talking about the elf special abilities and then on the right-hand side is the class table. And right. These, the same thing. these are designed to be printed as smaller booklets. The physical copies you can get from drive-through don't print out um, the size of a, a Moldvay basic book or expert book. That's another um, thing I really love about them is they are so portable. It's so easy. If I had a, like two or three more copies of this, I would leave my printed BX stuff at home. Well, that, that being said, I wonder if you were to print this at home and print it out full page, would that, for people who um, possibly have trouble reading smaller text, would that create you a large text rule book for BX? let's uh let's try it out oh sure yeah here i'll uh i got a printer i can print stuff yeah you can just compare uh, it to your bx rules yeah one thing i also love about this i i'm kind of segueing into it or trying to is um just oh god the the amount of art that he put in here is astounding and it's all great there's a lot of weird fantasy in it um, that kind of, I think, is a departure from the traditional BX art style. Um, all right, let's see if we can do this. Actual size, or I'm printing a thing. I'm Here, I'll do fit to page. Uh, I'm just going to print out. Um, yeah, there's a ton of art, especially in the, uh, the spell. There's a piece of art on almost every page. Or if there isn't, there's two pages on the uh, two pieces of art on the page before it, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Matt Ray, who did the, uh, he, he's got some pieces in here, who did the art for, um, Tom Wilson's, um, Back to Basic zine. I, I, like, recognized his stuff, and I was like, oh, hey, Matt Ray. Uh, I like that guy's art a lot. But, yeah, just a lot of really great pieces. A lot of weird fantasy, but, um, you know, it's all black and white, kind of true to form. But, it, uh, phenomenal art. I'm gonna go check on this, uh, page that I just printed out. Sure. So, yes, if you were to uh, print this uh, at full size, let me, um, it would just be a large text version of the booklets, actually. If you were to print it out on just eight by eight and a half by 11 and then spiral bound it. 
Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, to me, another resource uh, that is possibly helpful for certain people in the community. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Glenn over at uh, Thaco's Hammer constantly talks about. Yeah, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna call him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it scales really well from this PDF too. There's not any artifacting or anything like that on this uh, this page I just printed out. Maybe one thing I, I think could be changed, and maybe once the the next one is released, the treasures and uh, I forget what it's called, treasures and adventure, I believe. Um, Something like that. I, that should be the last, um, the last volume in the set. I think it would be worth placing the um, treasure type charts, not the treasures themselves, but the treasure type charts in the back of the monster book. Uh, it's not currently yeah. there. I was a little annoyed with the monster book. That's part of the reason I haven't bought it yet. Is it's just monsters. It doesn't have any of the treasure. But I mean, it's the longest volume out of all of them. It clocks in at forty-seven pages. Um, so like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that I, I don't, uh, think it should have the treasure in there as well. I mean, I, I say that I actually like the idea of a monster and treasures book, uh, castles and crusades does that. I think it's a really nice way to separate the rules. Um, but, uh, I, I'm not saying that I do think it should have at least the roles for the treasure tables, but I guess maybe that would be more difficult to do than I'm, I'm giving it credit. Maybe. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I, I was a little disappointed that the treasure was not listed. I mean, it has the treasure types, but right. I was a little uh, I was a little sad to not see the treasure in here. Um, it's just splitting out into one more volume, which, I mean, like, it's, that's fine. What? I do think if the plan is to make a single volume um, of this, uh, that's just a combined basic expert reference book, uh, I would buy, I would buy a copy for. Oh sure. Play. Now here's the thing. He also does in the monster book that might catch uh, some people off guard. This is kind of a new school RPG thing. Is he provides a um, pre-rolled hit dice, an average hit points for each creature. So it lists hit dice as three, and then it lists it as um, thirteen hit points. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm neither for I, nor against that. I. <sighs> I typically roll my hit dice for my monsters because I don't like the idea of every monster having the same amount of HP. Yeah, I, I roll um, it too. So I, I would I would not use that particular portion. But, you know, if someone new is coming to BX and, you know, they, they don't want to roll the hit die every time something gets hit first or right before the encounter starts, I, I think that's valuable. Or um, I mean, if you're if you're just throwing something in and and you're like, okay, what would it be cool if there was a mummy here? And I'm just gonna pull a mummy out instead of having to roll all those right off the bat. You have a number there you can just pull from, and and I think the the fact of the matter is it being there doesn't hurt people that want to roll their own, and it helps people who don't. So I mean, I I, I appreciate him uh, doing that extra little bit of work for the people who want it. It's not something I would use. Yeah, and it's it's there, but I think it's useful, but it's not useful for me. I will say one great thing about all these PDFs as well uh, um, is that they are hyperlinked <laughs> on the table of contents. So if you have an e-reader or an iPad or something like that and you pull this up and you want to know, you want to get right to the mommy, 
you can just click on the mummy on the table of contents and it'll take you right to it. And they're all bookmarked as well, typically by um, section, and then they are further bookmarked by subsections, which is just a nice little bit of care that, you know, went more into it. I have PDFs from other OSR publishers that, you know, don't have that for other retro clones. Mm -hmm. So nice. It's just, it's nice. You may not care about it, but, you know, I I typically have my uh, my surface with me at the gaming table as well, uh, in addition to all of the books. So I I would use this feature. Yeah, I I read books often off of a ten inch tablet. Um, I typically don't do that at the table. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, I prefer having the physical books at the table. My uh, so typically like my setup is my screen and dice tower. And then my Surface set up there. Uh, and my Surface also has my e, uh, my XP calculator that I built. That way I don't have to do it. I can do it as we're playing instead of at the end of the game. So I, I use my Surface a little more. Sure. Um, I'm not a music guy, but like if I were, I would also just use that. Maybe I'll start doing that. Um, setting mood, mood music and stuff like that. But I typically find that that just takes time away from playing going to YouTube or, or wherever and, and finding a song. and I think it has to be pre-planned. I mean, I think it, for any of that stuff to work well, music or, or miniatures or any of that kind of extra stuff, mm-hmm. for it to work well takes pre-planning, and if you don't pre-plan yeah. it, it won't work very well. All right. Have we said everything we have to say about this? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I got real southern right there at the end there because I'm from Arkansas. Um. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh. So I guess real quick, uh, Carl, would you recommend this product? I, I I don't know that I would use all of these at the table. Okay. I think I would tell anybody who's running BX to get the spell list. I think that would be. Hugely helpful. I mean, I think we all know, if we played Dungeons & Dragons enough, that spells are the rules that are referenced 90% more often than any other rule. Uh, because yep. spells break the rule. I mean, that's what spells are there for. They they break the rules that are currently in play. Everything else follows the rules and spells break them. So, having those additional references better, I think, laid out than the two booklets because they're all right there it each spellcaster could have one with them and be able to look up their spells no problem and just see the details of the spell i mean to me that would be a huge resource so that one i would want three or four of at my table depending on how many spellcasters i currently have in the party um and uh with with just roughly under half of your uh options being spellcasters and bx you know that could be a sizable portion of the group um but I don't know that I personally would use the monsters or the classes and equipment section. You know, I could see maybe printing out individual pages from mm-hmm. classes and equipment. Essentially, I would want to print out all of the class information that he has compiled here on single sheets. Um, and I would want to print out, I, uh, you know, he has a pretty concise equipment list here with all the prices associated with it. Having that as a handout so you can just hand it and say, here's what you can buy uh, to people when they're um, at the at town and looking to purchase some stuff. You can just hand them this sheet and it has everything from both expert and basic in there. I, um, 
you know, I'm thinking about it more and more. I I definitely would recommend this product. I, I don't have any caveats. I think uh, if you're new to BX or you have a group you're trying to introduce people to the game, I think this is, I, I think it really is essential. I have, especially the the spells book, that, that book is great. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it and like, even if I like just kept the core rules for myself to reference as the DM book, and then the classes and equipment and the cleric and magic user spells for the rest of the group, I, I think that's great. I, I actually really like that there's a booklet that is just classes and equipment because uh, the other thing that gets referenced the most, I think, is definitely the equipment list. I definitely, because I, I don't have like buying stuff outside of the game. People are buying stuff in game and I've got, you know, printed pages from BX, like photocopies that have the equipment list, but just having a booklet where someone's like, oh, can you hand me the equipment book? And they can go through and look and go, all right, well, I'm going to buy everybody horses. It's going to be this much, and this is how fast we can travel. I think that's really great, actually. Um, and the more I think about this, the more I'm like, actually, yeah, if I had a full set of this, I would just use this over my... I would have my BX books at the table, but I would have people reference this more than that. Um, especially if you're new to the game, like having the, uh, the core rules kind of separated from everything else, having the prices for boats and the travel times and things like that for beasts of burden. I, I, I think this is, is a great product. I think I actually might like the organization better than the original BX game. So, so my caveat I wanted to add mm -hmm. is that what I am referring to is the physical product. I don't think I would have these at my table, meaning I don't think I would buy the physical books except for the spell one. Okay. I think anybody that enjoys BX or is currently playing BX or is interested in learning more about BX would be benefited by reading through these. Even if you are already familiar with Basic Expert, like we have already revealed, uh, you know, going through it, you might learn something new about the rules that you just missed because it was presented differently. Um, so I think having this restatement of the rules... And looking through it could increase the level of knowledge you already may have about the system you're playing. So I think as a PDF purchase, they're all no-brainers. I think as a yeah. physical copy, I would just want multiples of the spill book before I'd want uh, the other ones at my table. Yeah, and so I have the physical copies because I, like I said, this we did not get review copies of this. This is, I, I funded this episode. <laughs> uh, I was like super curious about it for for a couple months leading into this and uh i'm really glad that i i did buy it i'm i'm equally happy that i i did shell out for the premium editions the paper stock quality is like this i guess this is something you can't talk about carl um the paper quality is amazing the print quality is super sharp super crisp uh even if you were to print it at home though with your home printer um I, I printed out a page with two illustrations from the monster book and there's no artifacting. It is super crisp as well. The colors look almost identical. You know, they're a little more washed out, but that might just be my printer. Um, I do want to talk about where you can get this. It's available through drive through RPG and all of the different drive through RPG affiliates. Um, one thing we uh, should definitely mention is they do have a free 
no art text version that you can also get through drive through So if you want to, before, if you, we haven't convinced you. <laughs> Not that that's our, you know, what we're trying to do. You make your own decisions. You're a grown-up, I assume. And, um, you know, there is a free no art version that you can look at and just see the, the way it's laid out. And uh, he he's done that partially uh, so people can modify it, add their own house rules and make changes as they see fit. So it's available on drive-thru RPG. Uh the PDFs are 3.99 each. They often do have sales. I've seen them for as low as like 2.75. I'm pretty sure that's I got them on like a super sale they were having or it's like 2.75 for the PDFs and then it was like it was like 5 bucks for the premium print editions. There is a so the premium print edition is uh is saddle stitched. It's uh bound with staples. Lace flat at the table, it's super great. Uh, super high quality paper. There is a standard edition, which is a little bit uh, less expensive. I believe they are seven dollars each, uh, or seven ninety nine each um, for that. And uh, it's a it's between eleven ninety nine and thirteen ninety nine for the uh, premium edition. Um, so if you're interested in getting this product in print, it is print on demand through Drive Through RPG. I do think it's a great product. I I enjoy having it at my table. It's been super handy. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess that's it for the show. Um, join us again next time when we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? We should, um, you know what we should talk about next time? Elves. Elves? Of Elfheim. Um, all right. That's what I think. I actually uh, am super down with that idea because. Uh, I don't play in Mistara, but I like a lot of Mistara stuff. I, 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 I look at official TSR expansions the same way I look at retro clones. I'm mining for ideas for my own games. <laughs> I don't believe I want, to, I want to talk about that, actually. So I did read through um, BFRPG at work last week. And, uh, man, they there was one rule that really stuck out to me, which is uh, uh, a death save, like a single death save. Uh, when your PCs hit zero HP, that is something I'm stealing. I really, really love that house rule. Uh, that's in the rule cyclopedia. Is it? So, so death saves they exist within the '90s D and D world. Just There's actually thing. a couple of different optional rules in the rule cyclopedia for different levels of heroic play for your characters' survivability. Uh, well, I mean, PFRPG had that as well. Maybe that's where they got it from. Yeah, I don't know, like, kind of getting on house rules real quick as, like, a, I guess it's a postscript. Uh, we were talking um, not too long ago in the Discord. Uh, also, everyone, you should join our Discord. Uh, uh, the Wild Games Productions and OSR Gaming Home Discord. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes to that if you want to join. Um, super great crowd. But we were talking in the classic D&D chat about OD&D and uh, the detection abilities how they're they're in OD&D demi humans have better detection abilities and i'm like seriously consider considering uh house ruling my bx game to sort of like staple on some OD&D stuff because every time i need a clarification for something i'll go to OD&D and i always find that like they just god they they like knocked it out of the park they nailed it and got it just right in my opinion like the first try and things have been refined over time. And I feel like every time something's refined, a little bit gets lost. Really, what's the difference for my PCs if my elves can detect 
secret doors on a one through four versus a one through two. I would vastly prefer the one through four because here's what happens when you have a dwarf or an elf who's supposed to be so good at doing this thing that they're the only ones who are so good at doing and they only get a 33% chance. They fell most of the time. (laughs) And so the action of that rule is they don't seem that good at doing that thing they're supposed to be so good at doing. Mm -hmm. They seem quite bad at it, actually. So I do think... Um, I think in OD&D, the actual wording for the dwarven like direction sense is around half the time. I think they just were like around half the time they know what you know uh, they have it going on. Um, that got changed to to a one to two on a D6. Um, I think as early as Holmes, but I'm not referencing the actual rules. But yeah, I would actually prefer pulling over the AD and D 75 percent chance. Um, that they're given in uh, uh, the AD&D rule set for some of their abilities. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. I mean, like, I... I there's a little things that were lost, um, and you had brought it up, you know, uh, halflings being good at just slings, not, you know, not all missile weapons. I have a player who's playing a halfling now, and he is, like, with ranged attacks, he's got a gross amount of... Like, right hit probability yeah Uh, a a high dex halfling will be the strongest character in your group they all have plate armor they'll have a negative one armor class or a zero armor class and a bow and arrow and they'll get plus four to hit and just tear everything apart yep and that's that's what's happening actually i think he has a so he's got, I believe, an 18 decks. Right. And, uh, you know, the so he's got that, and then he's a fighter. So he's hitting it, like, plus five, which is gross for <laughs> a classic D&D character. That is, that is excessive. Yeah. But, like, I don't know what um, elves getting, you know, the plus one to damage with with magic swords or even the AD&D affinity for swords. You know, that's some of the stuff I want to start tacking on to my home games. I also really love the OD&D rule that elves will, de- like, without even searching, will detect a secret door on a roll of one to two just by passing by it. And that's something I remember from from way back in the day reading. I, I believe it's still in Holmes. Don't quote me on that. Please, please don't email me <laughs> if I get that information wrong. We're, we're juggling, you know, 30 years of classic D&D. Please, please be nice to us. Um, well, see, I, 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 you know, listening to you now, and I'm full of judgment and ire. Uh, yeah, as usual. Yeah, you're um, real mean behind the scenes. <laughs> People don't understand I thought, that. I, I thought understand. I thought it did specify in in BX that elves can see a door whether they're searching or not. Uh, but Let's I don't look know. At the BX essentials classes and equipment. I'm looking in the regular BX. Let's see who gets there first. This is putting the product to the test right now. Uh, so uh, da, da, da. detection it doesn't doors. Say, it doesn't elves say have keen, ali- uh, keen eyes that allow them, when actively searching to detect, and a two and six chance. I much prefer yeah. the OD and D rules. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. You know who's wrong? Me. Yeah, take that, Carl. Do we have any knock emails? me down a peg? Do we have any emails this week? Yeah, sure. I'll read an email. Oh, I I didn't know we had one. All right, cool. I'm glad I asked. Uh, um, hold on. Um, you know what? Here, let's read this email. This will be a great one for this episode. Hi, chaps. 
John Selway writes, I really enjoyed Adventure 144 about the back-to-basics design and related govins. I assume this person is, you know, from across the pond, as they say. Uh, or he just watches a lot of PBS. I don't know. One of those two. <laughs> I have now bought myself a couple of copies, and I am looking forward to reading them. My ears pricked up when I heard you mention Gavin Norman's BX Essentials Project. But no! My tail drooped! <laughs> this guy's a dog. I didn't realize. <laughs> That's kind of neat. Um, I, my tail drooped. When you said you wouldn't discuss this project at a later date, as it seemed that as a restatement of BX, the essential range probably wasn't a rule set. Let me save you from the terrible fate of missing out on the most exciting thing in classic D&D at the moment by reassuring you that BX Essentials really is just that. Essential! Treat yourselves, guys! Download one of the books and join the converted! A timely email. <laughs> it's it's fortuitous that we read that one at the end of this. Well, I think we actually did pass that around in the Discord. We um, may have, yeah. Uh, before before we decided to do this uh, show, so I actually he think did. That, I think one forty four was like finding out that it is a restatement. The review in uh, Back to Basics. I actually think that is what was the impetus for me buying BX Essentials. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember in that episode, you did say at the end of your little spiel about it. Uh, it it is just a restatement. You're like, I still want to. I still want to do that. Yeah. So well, we did yeah, it. We so did. We did that just now. Have no fear. I love these books. I think these are a, they're a super great product. I'm very happy that, to own them. But I I think they're just so very carefully considered in their presentation mm -hmm. and placement and design for ease of understanding. Uh, you know, they would they would be absolutely wonderful reads for anybody who is currently playing and enjoying uh, Basic Expert uh, 1981 D and D, uh, and but for some people will be uh, replacements for that rule set. I might be in that camp. I'm not sure. You know, I I love my uh, I love my hard copy BX books, but. For just ease of use of the table, man, these things are great. But I that's enough about this topic. I think we've we've gushed enough. Um for the Saver Die Cop podcast, I've been crispy. I've been Carl this whole time. Mm -hmm. And uh like we've always said since uh day one of the podcast. The, in 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 the last ten plus years of the show's history, we've always ended the show with a special saying. Keep it classic. Eat a classic. <laughs> That joke will get old. <laughs> Eventually. To, every, to everyone but Crispy. <laughs> I mean, it made me laugh, so... <laughs>